Welcome to the Antioch Word, a podcast for the Antioch College community. My name is Rachel Isaacson. I'm a co-host and Miller Fellow here at WYSO Public Radio Station. In mid-December, groups interested in working together to work on issues at the U.S.-Mexico border met here at Antioch College to network and organize. Today we'll hear from Lilith Sinclair from the Border Support Network. My name is Lilith Sinclair and I came to Antioch College as a member of the Border Support Network project. We got invited here by an activist who's been working with us, who is also a trustee here at the college, to form a partnership with the college itself centered around the Border Support Network Village Project. And so there's so much that goes into the work that we're doing with that, and it's really exciting. Essentially, the reason that we're here is to give an outline of the work that we're doing, and that begins really with what sort of brought us all together, um, the activist coalition that we're working with under the name the Border Support Network. And what's really tied us all together is a commitment to um, following and supporting the leadership of indigenous elders and indigenous um, Native American leaders from the U.S. who have come together to push for support for our family seeking asylum from the South under the guidance and sort of the predisposition of something called the Eagle and the Condor Prophecy. And so the Eagle and the Condor Prophecy falls under another prophecy of Native American culture called the Seventh Generation Prophecy. Essentially, that prophecy alludes to the fact that the Seventh Generation, which is this generation, will be the generation to help bring unity and peace to the world and unite us all as one people. And then underneath that is, um, or sort of a part of that, I should say, is the eagle and the condor prophecy. And so hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, it was foretold that there would be a large coming of people from the south, which are known as the condor nation, to the north. And the family of northern tribes at large is known as the eagle nation. And so that prophecy tells of the Condor Nation of the South coming up to meet the Eagle Nation, and the prophecy speaks specifically of the separate, many separate tribes and nations under the Eagle Nation coming together as one to unite and to welcome our family from the South. So that's sort of what ties us all together, and once we all started, started working to reach out and make these connections in alignment with the Eagle and the Condor prophecy, we started working on a plan from there. And the plan that unfolded was the idea of setting up villages on Native American land spread out on the land of different tribes across the entire U.S. southern border to create villages of what I personally personally have liked to call villages of radical existence. And that's just my personal phrase for what we're doing here. But It's a really exciting project because these camps that we're working on getting set up across the border, one of which we've already started to set up in Floresville, Texas, on native land there, is multi-tiered. And so there's three main purposes for these camps. And those three main purposes are support for our brothers and sisters coming from the South in various different ways. The second purpose is education. And that education falls into a lot of different facets. It falls under the name of education on how to be a good activist. 
education on how to be a good white ally and education on indigenous culture and the actual true real history of this land and this country and the space that we exist upon and what actually happened when this country was founded. And so the third is, so we've got support, education, and then the third is radical existence and in an effort to stand up against all of the human rights violations that are happening from the U.S. government. And especially, we've noticed these things be elevated under Trump, but it's important to remember that these imperialist and colonial rights, colonizer, like human rights violations have been happening since the foundation of this country. And so right now, as we speak, even the Trump administration is pushing for the construction of a border wall across the southern U.S. border in the beginning outside of a national conservation area in Texas called the Butterfly Center. And so every year there's a butterfly migration across the country. And not only are there butterflies in this space, but there's also local flora and fauna that needs protecting. There's also other animals like ocelots and a special breed of owl and other animals of that nature that need protecting there. And the government is trying to seize that land and build a wall straight through it. And not only that, but they're also colluding with energy companies to build pipelines and such under the wall. Because if Mexico's not going to pay for it, who is? And the answer to that question is the energy companies that are seizing the opportunity to get this land in collusion with the government to build their pipelines no matter what. And this puts not only the Native American people at risk because these are the this is the land that they live off of and the water that they drink from and how they survive, but it also puts all of the animals and all of the flora, the fauna, and the the land itself at risk. So that's where those like three tiers sort of come in. So what do these villages look like? Has there been any strategy on what kind of plan it's going to take place? So right now what we have up is we have the first village in... We have the first village in Floresville, Texas. And so the main camps in Texas are sort of um, multi-tiered because there's going to be two camps or two villages, I should say. So the first village is in Floresville, and that village is going to act as an orientation. So this is where the bulk of our learning will be. Well, the education um, component. Mm -hmm, yes. And so um, the idea behind that initial, this initial village in Floresville is to welcome activists in, give them an orientation on um, the project itself, what it is we're doing, um, give them an orientation on the uh, rules of engagement and protocols for when they move forward onto the Butterfly Center village, and to also give them the opportunity to do the learning that they need to be able to effectively do that. So there's a couple of different things that we're primarily focusing on as far as education for activists wanting to move forward that's not directly related to the indigenous cultural history side of things. And so what we're wanting to make sure that activists have a grasp on is um, know your rights trainings, making sure we're helping people be informed as to what it is and isn't um, possible for them to be engaged in um, lawfully. Um, and what the risks are for the different types of engagement that they have. So that's one of them is know your rights training. Another one is um, we want to make sure that people actually understand what is nonviolent direct action. Because these camps are, in these villages, I should say, 
These villages are being set up as permanent structures where people can make a physical stand against these human rights atrocities in a peaceful way and in a nonviolent way. So we'll be doing nonviolent direct action trainings. What does that look like? What are different tactics that people use to um, stop, you know, like wall construction or stop pipeline construction in a peaceful way, but that is still aggressive? Because there's a difference between you know, the general idea of what resistance is um, and all of the sort of violent connotations that come with the word resistance and nonviolent, peaceful, direct action that we do in an aggressive way. So there's a way that you can tie in being peaceful with being aggressive and intentional. And so that falls under things like what you saw at Standing Rock with, um, you know, people connecting themselves with um, PVC pipe and duct tape and chains so that they're not doing anything but existing in a radical manner, but it still puts a burden on and puts a stop to the work that the government is trying to do. Um, so we'll be doing Know Your Rights trainings, nonviolent direct action trainings. We're also going to be having conversations with people about um, generational trauma and sort of um, setting up a protocol for assessing um, what level of trauma people are coming in with and giving them the skills and the coping methods and making sure that they are able to successfully and healthily um, be involved in, you know, this sort of traumatic um, traumatic experience that inherently comes with standing up to the United States federal government because we know that the U.S. federal government is the most militarized government in the entire world. We know that they are um, needlessly brutal um, and needlessly violent no matter how peaceful activists are being. So... We want to make sure that people are prepared on all fronts for that. And then the fourth really important piece is documentation and aggressive media strategies. So we want to make sure people know um, how do you document, how do you how do you make sure that you're getting the shots that you need to get. Um, how do you operate a drone, for instance, um, and make sure that you're getting those wide shot footage um, compilations that are needed to really show the full scope of what exactly the federal government is doing because we know they kind of like to Scoo hold their cards. What's also happening. Yeah. If you're not there, it's hard to know. And if you're only following what controlled media sources are telling you, it's hard to have a large scope unless we have these like media activists there. Exactly, for sure. So how are you thinking that the Antioch community could be involved? So what we're really excited about is um, we've made this uh, partnership with Antioch and the partnership is super multifaceted, right? And so it's a uh, it's a verbal su um, support, it's um, a verbal backing and commitment to making sure that uh, the Antioch campus and itself, um, its students and its staff and its faculty um, are behind us to say that we support what the Border Support Network is doing. But also, um, we've made partnerships to. Um, bring students into the mix and um, the students at Antioch I've already learned come from all walks of life um, it's a really amazing campus and a really amazing culture here that is really centered on social justice and really centered on creative learning and creative education and so for people who don't know the Antioch campus has cooperative programs built into their educational style. And so with the co-ops, which are opportunities for hands-on learning in a different fields in a variety of different places all across not only the country but around the globe, um, 
we have the opportunity to take the education aspect of the border support networks and tie that in to the cooperative learning methods at Antioch. So we'll be looking to build strong and useful curriculum that we can take forward and we can sort of merge these two things together so that we can bring students into the mix and give them an opportunity to learn what does it look like to be an activist and what does it look like to be um, not only an activist, um, but an organizer. What does that look like and how do you how do you move forward in that field? And in, in that, not even necessarily field isn't the right, right word, but how do you live a lifestyle that is centered around social justice in a direct and meaningful way? And so that's super, super exciting to be able to um, have that partnership. And then the third level of partnership is also moving forward to sort of activate and mobilize um, not only the students and teachers and staff and faculty here, but also reaching out to make broader networks and broader alliances with colleges across the country. Um, so that's really exciting. Is that the next step? That is the next step. We'll be working on um, getting a fuller, broader proposal um, written up that we can go ahead and move forward and start reaching out to people who would like to be involved and who would like to make the commitment that Antioch has made in partnership with what we're doing here. That was Lilith Sinclair from the Border Support Network. You're listening to the Antioch Word. You can find more podcasts like this on WYSO.org and NPR One.